Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Troy Gard from Garden Grace Steakhouse coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is the proprietor of SwankyMaven.com. Felice Sloan, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Hey, 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 folks. (laughs) We have much to discuss, so let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, don't do a lot of fast food conversation on the show other than in the lightning round at the end, but big news. Whataburger has a new owner. Chicago-based BDT Capital Partners has purchased a majority stake in the company for an undisclosed sum uh, that, frankly, I assume was like a billion dollars or more, like some crazy, astronomically high number. Felice, let me... There's been a lot of agita, a lot of upset about this news that Whataburger is no longer owned by Texans. What do you think? Do you do you do you think this is going to change Whataburger very much? Are you are you nervous about this? Well, beyond the fact that I'm in all black, I'm still in mourning about um, hearing it, and I think we should have a moment of silence. Okay, I'm back. I'm so upset. I just I'm with everyone else. I'm very upset for a couple of reasons. Do I think that it'll change? Probably not if they're smart, but just that it's not going to be Texas owned and it's just so, it's so Texas, right? I think about as a kid um, hearing, I was Mel Tillis singing Whataburger when I thought I was saying Whataburger. We're not going to talk about that, right? I mean, going all the way back, it's so Texas, it don't need to be messed with. I'm very upset about it. So you you don't feel like the family uh, deserves to cash in and make some no, money on this deal? they sold out. They they sold out. I feel like they sold out. Um, they're making a shit ton of money. Like, you know, yeah, like yeah. it's... Generational, their children's children's yeah, children like won't have to good. work a day in their like, life. They're good. So I, I don't really know what they were thinking because they clearly didn't ask Texans, right? <laughs> <laughs> clearly they didn't ask Texans because... We are up in arms. Well, well, let me tell you, I, I stopped at Whataburger this morning for a sausage biscuit, and the, the line at the drive-thru was just as long <laughs> as it's ever been. It, I don't, so I, I don't know that, that you know, there's, there's a lot of anger on social media. Whataburger's had to kind of put out posts and statements like, don't worry, we're not changing, but to kind of reassure people that, that this transaction won't have an immediate effect but but what do you like what do you think like is there because like because the news because the news for whataburger the the they want to present it is basically this is the this is the transaction that will allow whataburger to spread the gospel to you know it's already it it's beyond texas it's in like 10 states but but this is this is the financial momentum that will allow it to go national or regional or like 
take the fight to in and out in California or, or whatever they're going to do, right? You're not you're not for it from that sense. We're going to spread wah, the gospel. Wah. I'm a wow wow wow. You know what? We we don't need to take the fight to the people. Texas is a nation, okay? So again, I'm not buying it. Like we don't care if people in New York love Whataburger. Besides the fact they visit us and we take them to Whataburger. I don't need to go to Whataburger in New York because it's not going to be the same. Or in California, it's not going to be the same. I'm not buying it. I think the line was long this morning because people, I'm going to go to Whataburger maybe two more times this week before they make the change. I want to, (laughs) I'm serious about this. All right, so what are you, so do you have a specific, like, they're going to take X, Y, or Z off the menu or what? Like, what's the biggest change you're worried about? Because I I have one, and I, I just want to see if we're on the same page with this. I just don't want them to mess up the beef. I don't want, like, I don't want them to start. Again, I like that you can order it. I don't want them to start putting a burger on there with mayonnaise, right? Like, it comes with mustard. You order mayonnaise if you want it on there, right? And the breakfast on the bun, Leave it alone. Like it's just certain things and the spicy ketchup. Leave it alone. That's that, that's it. Right. That is the sort of cost cutting that <laughs> that you would think like you don't need two ketchup. Yeah, it's like yes, it. yes, you do. We do. Right. Yeah. So the one thing that I am most nervous about, and I will credit uh, Chris Frankel, our local bartender and occasional guest on the show, for for raising this issue. Twenty four hour service. Right. If they want to cut costs the most obvious thing to do would be to keep only a very small number of them open 24 hours. But that knowing that I can get Whataburger at 11 midnight, 2 AM after the bars, whatever, what like that is a very comforting thing. And there are, you know, it's not just Fridays and Saturdays. There are, you never know those random late nights and it ends at Whataburger. And that's just a part of, like culturally, that's just culturally, a part of it is. You're right. being Texan, I think. And then think about the holidays. When they're closed for the holidays, it's very strategic when they open back up because they really try not to be closed too long, right? Like after the holidays, so say if it's Christmas, they may open the next morning like at 3 a.m., right? It's not like the next morning at 6. It's like 3 because that's I think that accounts for a lot of their money, to your point. So that would be crazy if they did that. Yeah, that that's that's my biggest worry. Obviously, raising prices is is all in the mix. You I'm know, okay with cutting them. down. I'm okay with them raising the prices. Okay. Yeah, they if they if 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 they're if gonna that's leave the it only alone, thing they do right. If they're like okay, okay Texans, now we're gonna go up on prices and leave everything alone. I think we'll be fine. I'll be fine with it. I won't say everybody be fine with it. Right. I'll be okay with it. Because there is something about being able to get, you know, a burger, fries, or soda and a shake for seven or eight bucks. I mean, that's very comforting at a time when, you know, at at nicer restaurants, we're going to pay as much as $15 for a hamburger. So, and, and that it's, it's very consistent. You know, I, I, I'm always, I'm always amused by, you know, the out of town food writer who moves to Houston and goes to Whataburger and then writes a piece kind of slamming it for being bland or flabby or like what it's like. It's just totally that's totally missing the point. Right. Right. It's it's a cheap tactic to get 
page views and, and troll people. It's, it's just, you know, and so, you know, burger to burger, like, is it the best fast food burger? Eh, but wait, 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 wait. So, eh, what, what fast, let's explore, let's see here for a real quick second. What other burger, fast food, would you put like that's next to it? Well, In N Out's the the obvious one, right? The never frozen, like the and In N Out burger is a pretty good burger. Or like for slightly more money, like a Shake Shack burger kicks its ass. See, I don't consider that as fast food though. I no, no, no. I understand because it doesn't food. have a drive. Yes, okay, okay. So you're correct. Um, but I would see In N Out. I yeah. But like, is it a great like? Is it a great? Bur- it's a it's a good it's a very good fast food burger. Yes. Is it a great burger? No. But like you can get all the other things, right? There's right. the breakfast in the morning. Yes. There's the taquitos. There's the chicken fingers with the gravy. Like you know, yeah. like gravy. That's another one where if they ever cut gravy as a condiment for the chicken tenders, I'm gonna be. Pissed. But you'll be able to tell if they change that gravy. If they mess with that gravy and the people that get the gravy, oh, rioting. Yeah. That, now that. Yeah, and I'm not a great, you know, I'm not saucy like that. So, but if they mess with their gravy, it's a very important that's a part whole of getting the chicken conversation. Tenders. People will be up in arms. So, so you can kind of see on the margins where though that kind of those kind of changes might come and they will upset people, but we will obviously we'll have to wait and see, but but I couldn't this this is the biggest food news it's, in the state of Texas in the last week, so we could Yeah, it's pretty major. It. It's pretty major. All right. Topic number two, speaking of all good things must come to an end, Marco Wiles has put Dolce Vita, the building that houses Dolce Vita, up for sale. He's owned that property for more than 10 years. Dolce Vita is kind of the restaurant that introduced Neapolitan-style pizza to Houston. Not that other places hadn't done it before, but like he kind of made it a thing. And of course, he also owns Postcall and DeMarco, those aren't going anywhere. He also owns the buildings. And so this is, this is the first time I've ever spoken to Marco Wiles, which is kind of, you know, he doesn't do a lot of press. He doesn't need it. His right. restaurants are busy. Right. What, is, what does he care? But he said, look, I'm 60. You know, I, I bought these properties as an investment to, to, as a nest egg. I'm getting a little older. I want to slow down. We're selling, the, you know, I'm cashing out. I'm selling the building. Uh, let me, let me just, are you a Dolce Vita fan? What do you think? I think you probably are. Yes, I am. But am I sad? So, you know, I'm not, I have this love. You're I not a big pizza thing. person. Right. I have a love and I could care less thing about pizza. So I feel bad for people that is going away because people really love it. But I won't miss it. And then when I do meet people there, I have to say, because, you know, the whole parking thing. Um, oh yeah, this is one of those where <laughs> you know me. People for people who don't know, Felice will not valet ever. And the parking lot at Dolce Vita is all valet and there is not really convenient street parking. You can't you can't park on Westheimer, of course, that's illegal. And then there's side streets, but you got to kind of hunt and it's limited. So yeah, this is like your worst. It's, I don't even know what you you would have to like park like in another part of Montrose. And then Uber the last mile. Literally. Because, you know, I'll park a mile and walk back. There's nowhere to park. So for me, just that alone, I'm like, I'm good. I'm, and when friends go, I, I do exactly that. I've Ubered in because it just, 
it's a lot for me. <laughs> so I, I know I feel bad for you because I know it's one of your spots. Um, we talked about it, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. So I feel bad for, for pizza lovers. Well, it's funny because like it's been a couple of years since I've been there, but I I do recognize the seminal role it has played in making pizza in Houston better. It wasn't that many years ago that it was kind of considered like one of the best restaurants in Houston. Yes. Like if you look at Allison Cook's first top 100 list from like 2012, I think it's a top 20 Houston restaurant. It had a it had a spot on the Eater 38 for a long time. You know, it it doesn't it it doesn't occupy that firmament anymore. Right. Just because kind of the restaurant the the overall quality of restaurants has improved. But there are, you know, truffled egg toast, the shaved Brussels sprouts, the basic margarita pizza, the fried items, like even the fried mozzarella, you know, wedges. Mm -hmm. or I mean, you know, sitting on that patio, drinking a glass of Italian wine, eating a pizza, you know, those are all kind of important food experiences for a lot of people. And yeah, it's so, a good look. It yeah. is. It's a good look. But it's, you know. So, you know, I, you know, at this point. The restaurant is not in imminent danger of closing, right? Because right. Marco's looking for a certain amount of money to justify selling the building, uh, and then even once he, you know, they complete the transaction, like there'll be there'll be some time. There'll be a you know thirty right. days or whatever after right. the transaction closes. But yes, eventually right. someone's going to buy that building. There's a lot of there's a lot of action on. Lower Westheimer, you know, right, the Ruggles like that area. Right. Well, I mean, it's not hard to imagine that, you know, like the, the building that housed Ruggles got torn down and became that kind of taller, larger building that houses, uh, well, East Hampton Sandwich Company for a hot second, but Velvet Taco and the Magical Unicorn Dessert Bar. Like, it's not hard to imagine someone building something like that, like tearing the Dolce Vita building down and turning it into a slightly larger building that can support multiple businesses or residences or, or some combination. So, you know, it's, it's not long for this world and yeah. someone's, someone's going to, you know, that's a pretty desirable piece of real estate. Someone is going to take Marco up on that opportunity. Right. But I think, for, like you said, they're safe for the summer, get your wine, get your pizza, have memories and, you know, so you can't have them anymore. Right. There you go. All right. Topic number three. I published a list of 30 bars, restaurants, breweries, and food halls that I expect will open in Houston between now and Labor Day. So we're doing a little cross-promotion here. Did you? Uh, I asked you to look at the list and identify a couple of places that you are particularly excited about. You did. So what let, me, let me start with saying we talked about Shake Shack, right? Yeah. I'm excited for the Shake Shack location downtown because it's going to be very convenient for people that work there and all that. Um, so I'm excited just that whole fast casual and people get to experience Shake Shack and see why we're talking about it and why we like it. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, I'm excited about the toasted coconut because, I mean, Tiki, Tiki. Right, and you're a Nobis and, and Nobis. <laughs> and I'm a Nobis. Right, I'm like... You know, you put that combination, um, I think, I can't wait to see what they do with that, right? And going on the cocktail um, 
side, not cocktail kind of cocktail, the burger joint. Um, they're going to be having at their new location that's finally, finally opening in the Heights. They're going to have um, boozy milkshakes from the present company, which, you know, they're same owners and stuff. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that'll be really fun. I will add, I mean, obviously, you know, MAD is in the process of opening right now. It, it opens this week. I've seen they've had some people in. I've seen some stuff on social media. You know, as as sort of staid and classic as the interior BCN is, MAD just looks wild. Yeah. And, you know, wood-fired paellas and those creative-looking tapas. Like, I'm in for all of that. Me too. Uh, gin and you, tonics. Gin, like, massive, creative <laughs> gin and tonics. Uh, you mentioned the toasted coconut. That's very near where I live. Also very near where I live is Candente. That's the name of the Tex-Mex restaurant Tex-Mex. that the pit room guys are opening up. You know, they do fajitas every Wednesday at the patio on the pit room. That's been a big hit for them. The tacos at the pit room are great. They've showed an adeptness for seafood at 1751 CN Bar. So I am all in on whatever they want to do. Uh, Tex-Mex wise, I can't wait to try that. And then, you know, uh, Rosie Cannonball. I mean, I had Felipe Riccio and Adam Garcia on the show uh, a couple months ago talking about all the things that they're doing. But, you know, just an honest neighborhood restaurant, you know, wood-fired pizza, pasta, roasted meats, casual environment, a wine list created by David Keck and June Rodill. I mean, you know, give me me all of those things. And I... I have to say about your list, Eric, um, you know, I probably need to step my workups up, workouts up because the list is massive. It's every, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Right. Like in my calendar, because we just have so much greatness and it's starting. I mean, that's the summer's going to take us all the way through the fall. I mean, we're not letting up here in Houston. Well, no. And, you know, <laughs> Troy, Troy Gard is about to come on the show and talk about Garden Grace. It's a massive new steakhouse that's coming to downtown. So that's excited. not on the list because it's not opening until, you know, October, November or something like that. So, you know, and then there's Chris Cosentino's Italian restaurant. That's opening in the fall. There's, there's a lot of really fun stuff happening. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. And it's can, it, but it's been kind of a slow start to the year. I mean, like, like what's the, you know if we want to talk about what's the best restaurant that's open this year so far, hmm. you know, it's, it's maybe squabble, maybe squabble, 1751, yeah. you know, having truth barbecue finally in Houston yes. has been really great, but it's a short, it's a relatively short list in the next three or four months. We're going to have a lot more places right. to discuss. That'll be in the mix for, for that kind of recognition. So, you know, it's all, it's an, you know, I always say this is the best time to live in Houston from a restaurant perspective in the history of Houston. And it's only getting better and better. I agree. I'm excited. All right. That does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. You're listening to what's Eric eating. So Felice for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk about a couple of places. Uh, one of which has been open for a while and haven't really talked about it on the show that much, but it's Elliot's table. I, I am. This is TC Jester just north of I-10. I am not 100% sure. I don't really think of that as the Heights because it's kind of far west to be the Heights. So I, I guess that's 
Lazy Brook or Timber Grove. I'm not really sure what you would call that, but anyway, I'm I'm sure I'll get angry emails for not getting the name of the. Uh, you will get the email. The neighborhood, you right? Exactly what it's. Someone's going to email me. <laughs> go and you know what? Just go ahead and do it, Just Eric. E R I C at culturemap.com. <laughs> Just go ahead and tell me what that neighborhood is called. Um, but Elliot Roddy is the the chef and owner of Elliot's Table. He's worked in the industry for. Uh, quite a while, even though he's a young guy. Uh, I encountered him at uh, Randy Rucker's restaurant, Bramble. He had worked for the uh, Liberty Kitchen folks for a while. He's worked for the Raging Cajun people. And uh, before he opened Elliot's Table, he was the general manager at Pinkerton's Barbecue. So he's got some front of the house. He's got some back of the house. Uh, but he's he's in the kitchen at Elliot's table. And I would describe this as kind of, um, just kind of that kind of Southerny, like honest cooking, pretty simple stuff. But there's, there's a purity to the food at Elliot's table that I really enjoyed. Yeah. I would, I was thinking when you said that, yeah, like kind of a modern American. Um, I think I was telling you it, it, it feels like, you're just kind of at your best friend's house and it's kind of, okay, what do you guys want? Right? Like, and they're creative in the kitchen, but not overly ambitious. It's stuff that you want to eat and just makes you feel good. That's right. So, right. It's like, it's, it's, it's really, it's too sophisticated to be like what you would expect at like a good home chef's dinner party. Like it's a little more polished than that, but it's maybe like a step up. It, you know, it's like a whole step, but but not like, but it's it kind of does have that like loose dinner party vibe to it. Right, right, right. The way it's served, you know, like they, um, the, you know, the wine is just it's casual, but sexy. It's sexy casual. Right. Yeah, it's sexy casual. All right, that's a word. So we had you just invented it, Queen's yes, English. So we started with uh, fried octopus and roasted oysters. We had a fried seafood platter. We had. Uh, we had a rack of lamb. Oh, that's right. We had and rack we of had lamb. The um, meatball and ravioli. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did yes. you have a favorite dish? So uh, that so I went before, and I'm going to mention this because it's very relevant now in the summer. I have a beet salad that is out of this world. It's I mean it's just fresh. It's really really good. Um, so I like that from the time before. This time, I would say. The meatball and ravioli was off the chain. It's, I, yeah, I, I can't even talk. It's it's way more than I expected. Right. We we were uh, we had some trepidation about ordering it because it uses the word Alfredo in the menu description, and so we had this vision of that that kind of thick, rich, exactly. gloppy yeah. white Alfredo, so like Olive Garden style. And it's not at all. It's like yeah, more like ask, a, we have to ask what more, what it's you a, mean? It, first of all, it's not white. It's a brown sauce and yeah. it's like sort of thinner and tomatoey and, and meaty. So we, we didn't really know what to expect. He's getting the ravioli from Bo Pasta, which is uh, Ben McPherson's project. That's going to open at uh, bravery chef hall one of these days. And he's making these Texas Akahushi meatballs that were just out of this world. I mean, that's, I, I'm with you. I think that's probably the best thing. Right. That and the roasted oysters are probably the best thing we ate. Yeah. And it's, it's, if you think about spaghetti and meatballs, it is the grown folks version. If, 
if people like I eat spaghetti, I you eat spaghetti meat sauce. I usually don't get meatballs. But if I think about an adult version of that dish, if I'm someone that loves that, that is elevated. That's, you know, kind of what we're describing the restaurant. That is elevated spaghetti and meatballs, right? You got elevated beef. You got um, the raviolis. Out of this world, out of this world. We, I would definitely suggest ordering that. Yeah, and I liked the rack of lamb mm-hmm. with the uh, the couscous. Yeah, even though I, I mean, the lamb was maybe like a little bit over. They were they were pretty thin lamb chops, but they had a, you know, I I want a little bit of lamby funk in my lamb. Yeah, and this had a nice, you know, not not too funky, but like you know you. You want to know you're eating lamb. Right. It had a wonderful taste. Yeah. Like you said, slightly overcooked, but it it wasn't where you're like, oh, it was ruined. Right. It was right. very good. And um, the addition of the couscous with the um, the with the way. The oh, yeah. The roasted vegetables is Brussels sprouts. Ugh, um, outstanding. Yeah. And I mean, $30 for like three pretty good sized lamb chops feels fair to me. I mean, yeah. I don't want to pay. I mean, I, I will and I have, but I prefer not to pay, you know, $45, $50 for a lamb entree. So yeah. I like that about it. Uh, fried seafood platter was a little more hit or miss. You know, I thought the, the like, I, I just don't think I agree. Like, in principle, I think I just disagree with frying scallops. Like, I just, I want my scallops pan seared. Yeah. I want them to get that caramelization. I want that flavor contrast. Um, I don't think frying them does does them a lot of good. Obviously, the shrimp and the oysters were fried nicely. And we had a thicker piece of either grouper or mahi-mahi um, that came out undercooked, and we sent it back, and they fried it a little more, and then parts of it were still undercooked. Okay. Yeah. Like, that's that's not great. Right. And, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't get that di- because of that. No. Like they we sent it back. Um, and I think because really, honestly, when I saw how thick the fish was, I knew that was why I went straight for the center. I'm like, there's no way this is not going to be undercooked based on the way it was prepared. So right. I would not get that dish again. Um, right. That's why people fry <laughs> thinner cuts of fish like yeah. flounder, sole, you, you know, that kind of, right, right. that pan fry, thinner fish, cooks more quickly, cooks more evenly. Right. Uh, a thicker filet is like not a good. Right. They have to either find a different way, change the fish and clean that dish up or it's... Yeah, right. Catfish is like a good fish to fry, right? Because right? yeah. it's thin. Yeah. And I was <laughs> cool with the scallops. Like, I like that. It, I like the texture. I don't know. It's just, I like what it does to the texture. I wouldn't have, now I wouldn't go somewhere if they had a um, thing of fried scallops. I would be absolutely not. But like that little one or two, like to kind of mix it up, I thought it was okay. Yeah. And then you know, it's a good vibe in the dining room. I mean, there's like, there's no decor really to speak of, but mm-hmm. the, the service is super enthusiastic. It's very friendly. Um, I mean, obviously, I've, I've been in there a couple of times before, and, and they know what I do for a living, so I get it probably a, a slightly. But I think they treat everybody. They, again, it's got that kind of dinner party vibe. They're happy to see you. You know, they're going to guide people to, like, smart. The, the wine list is short, but it's it's all pretty affordable. They're going to guide you to good choices that pair with your food. Food's yeah. good. It's got a good vibe. I I really like this restaurant. I do too. And then the patio, the first time I went, I sat outside. They have a good patio. And like where it's a smaller restaurant, 
but it just has a warm, like you said, a warm neighborhood vibe where it's a place that you want to be. So I would tell everyone to go. All right. And then another restaurant I want to talk about is BB Italia. This is Ben Berg's reworking of the Carmelo's space uh, on the western end of Memorial between Derry Ashford and Eldridge. I mean, I will say we, we did not share that. We did not have this meal together. We, we've each visited separately. Um, I have a, a certain affection for Italian-American food, and I like kind of casual Italian-American restaurants. It's one of the reasons Polly's is a, is a favorite of mine. Uh, I really enjoyed BB Italia. So, I, so I'll, I'll talk about the things I liked, but I, what, did, what did you think? So if you remember, I was a little upset that they were changing it. Remember the whole nostalgia? Yes, the, yes. So I was very much not wanting to like it. Not, I, I just didn't want to like it. And it they did a wonderful job with the renovation. It's beautiful. Um, the it menu, needed it so bad. It that needed, restaurant was did. so 80s. I, I know, but that was... The, <laughs> Like, that was the thing. Like, it smelled like the 80s. It still smelled like the 80s. It looked like the 80s. So I was just holding on. But I love the I love the rework. Um, I, I thought mean, they did a really good job. just giving that space a proper bar area. Yeah. That's, where they can have happy hour. I mean, I, I, won't, I won't claim deep knowledge of all of the restaurants in that area, but... If you're in the energy corridor, I feel like this is kind of a happy hour spot now. No, it, in a no, way that it, it never is. was before, <laughs> and in a way that not that many, not very many places near it are. I mean, outside right. of city center, and maybe like, I don't know, does Les Mistral do happy hour? Like, do they have a bar like this? You know, well, they have the wine bar right next door. Right, you're onto something. Where it sits, they're in prime location. The day that I actually went, I was coming down Memorial, and I'm like, you know what? This traffic is out of control. They opened. I'm like, let me just go there, have a drink, grab something to eat, opposed to sitting on I-10 for an hour. And I had happy hour. I had dinner. It was it was fine. It was fine. So, And in that time, they were having a party. But the bar, it was, it was new. I'm like, oh, this is a thing. This is going to be a thing. Yeah. Right. So I had, I had an order of meatballs. I, something I don't know what it is about this particular episode, but we're talking meatballs. Uh, they're very good. You know, they they're not. You know, I don't like them when they're too firm. Like I want them to be not squishy, not well, not spongy. But you know, I I don't want them. I don't want it to feel like I'm have to work too hard to eat a meatball in a nice, vibrant kind of pomodoro sauce, really classic. And then I splurged on a cup of lobster bisque that had like a pretty solid amount of lobster in it. Like that's that mm. felt very good to me. Um, my mother had spaghetti with clams, spaghetti vongola that was like, you know, just buttery garlic, you know, perfection with whole clams, like whole clams in the shell, not canned chopped clams, which is kind of the tradition, but you know, like score one for score one for fresh ingredients. I had veal piccata, which you just don't, you don't see that kind of stuff very much. I, I would have liked it to be like turned up just a little like the veal was like pounded super thin and really nicely cooked i would like the sauce to have been like a little more lemony like mm -hmm. just just turned up just a little bit uh and then we had tiramisu for dessert and i i rarely do i meet a tiramisu i don't like sure, like yeah so just and then and then shout out I, I i gave him a shout out when ben berg was on the show uh 
last week, shouted him out in front of the boss, but I'll, I'll do it one more time. Uh, Randy, our server, was terrific. You know, smart suggestions, really seemed to know the menu. Uh, you know, it's just, and, and for a restaurant that kind of when it opened, it seemed like, you know, the, the social media response was like very up and down. Uh, to have a knowledgeable server who I'm sure had been warned, like, you you know who that guy like be nice to that guy right 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 but but you know still like you know did his thing did his thing and did it well so props to randy for that uh what did you eat what did you like um so i had the whipped ricotta which was amazing i started with that but then i had some things you didn't have i had the um fried chicken it's italian fried chicken now i always like to try different fried chicken Right. Like people's interpretation of the fried chicken, how they're going to make it. And this Italian fried chicken, they do an amazing. It was very good. I had that. I enjoyed that. I also had um, they have some ribs that um, I can't remember exactly how they're labeled on the menu. Um, I thought that was really good, too. So um, far as like you said, the whole Italian-American, I think Chef Daniel does a wonderful job of um, kicking kicking up some traditional classics, kind of making them, as I would say, putting his own stank on some of them, and I like it. His All stank right. works for me. So you'll go back? I will definitely go back. All right, I will too. Uh, so let me just, uh, so before you get out of here, what's going on at Swanky Maven? Oh, I'm glad you asked. So I am, I told you last week, I hinted I'm doing the event, O to Beef. The tickets will go on sale this week. For Culture Map, you guys will get, um, if you use the code Culture Maps when the ticket goes on sale, 20% off of Ooh, the ticket. Thank so, you. 20% off, use code Culture Map, and I'll see you. We'll beef it up. All right. <laughs> uh, thanks, Felice. Thank you. All right. And I will be right back with Troy Gard. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I'm joined this week by Troy Gard, chef owner of Gard and Grace Steakhouse, opening this fall in downtown Houston. Troy, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me, Eric. Thanks for coming. You're in town from Denver. Yeah, I did a dinner last night. I'm flying back today. I fly back on Thursday and doing a dinner with uh, Chef Hugo at Sochi on Thursday. So nice, busy. So, so let me let me. I always like to start these interviews at the beginning. So how did you become interested in cooking professionally? Great question, because it wasn't a life or a kid thing that I just really wanted to cook. My mom was a really great baker or a cook in the kitchen. My dad was a really great, I call him like a grill man. He loved the grill because we grew up in Hawaii and we always ate our dinners on the grill. And then, uh, you know, my mom would make something in the kitchen. Um and just kind of fell into it. My next door neighbor, when I was 13, opened a sandwich shop in Seattle. I moved there. And he's like, hey, you want to make some money? So for three bucks an hour, I was like, yeah, let's go make some sandwiches. And then I just kind of fell into it. You know, it was something that I enjoyed. But I always thought I had to go to college and do like this, uh, some type of other job. Kitchen jobs back then. I'm 48. So, um they weren't really looked upon as careers 
And uh, I kind of just kind of fell into it. And then after two years of junior college, I said, you know what? This sucks, man. I love cooking and I'm going to go head first into it. And that's really what I did. Yeah. And you've, I mean, you've kind of traveled the world, right? I mean, you've, you've worked all over the place. I did. So quick background, first seven years in Hawaii, next seven years in Seattle, next seven years in San Diego. When I turned 21, my girlfriend broke up with me and said, you know, you're never going to be this big chef you think you're going to be. So I moved back to Hawaii and worked for this guy named Roy Yamaguchi. And back then, you know, again, no computers, no internet, just word of mouth. Everyone said, oh, you should go talk to this guy. And that's really, he really, I had been working for five or six years cooking, um, you know, steakhouses, restaurants, but he really like took me under his wing and said, hey, you got some talents here. Um, I didn't go to cooking school and I just put my head down and worked my ass off and, um, you know, came in at three, you know, clocked in at three, clocked out at 11, but I got there at eight or nine in the morning every morning and worked for free. And that was my schooling. So um, I did work in Hawaii with Roy. And from there, I lived in Tokyo, Singapore, um, Thailand, Hong Kong, and New York. So kind of yeah. all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we ever had a Roy's here. But they were they were all over like the West Coast for a while. I think they had while. one in Austin too. That might be for a while. Yeah. I mean, I remember going to one in Scottsdale, Arizona, maybe like ten or so years ago, and having like, you know, a surf and turf like right. seared <laughs> lamb with like barely cooked ahi tuna. See, you remember? And just thinking like, like it was kind of mind blowing. You it know, was. I mean, it's kind of a. I still remember uh, the first day I went in there and interviewed with him. Again, I didn't know who he was, right? All, all my relatives and friends said, you got to go talk to this guy. I'm 21 years old. I think I'm a badass, right? I go in there and the hostess says, uh, well, I say, hey, I'm here to meet Roy because I had talked to him on the phone. And she's like, oh, he's not here yet. Why don't you have a seat? So I figured he's going to come through the front door. Well, this guy comes in from the back in just a plain white T-shirt he says, hey, can I help you? This Asian-looking guy. I should have put the two and two together, right, Yamaguchi? But I didn't. He's like, uh, can I help you? And I said, no, I'm waiting for the chef, Roy. He's like, I'm Roy. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, it, uh, we really kind of hit it off. And, um, again, he was my mentor, and uh, I still talk to him. Uh, he's still kicking ass, and he's opening. Jeez, he's like 60-plus, and... I think he opened three restaurants last year, all in Hawaii. So yeah, I mean, there aren't very many chefs who have taken like a fine dining kind of elevated concept and like exported it to a whole bunch of cities. And and it's not just a steakhouse. I mean, like you know, it's like it's Roy, and then it's like Nobu, and then the list gets really short after. Exactly, that. and they're they're actually best buddies. I've cooked with Nobu quite a few times at his openings uh, in Tokyo and New York, and. So much fun. Those guys just go off. I love just uh, being a fly on the wall and going to eat ramen with those guys and drinking beers all night. It was it was really, really awesome. And again, um, I think what I would tell young people, and I do tell them, is really get with an awesome chef when you're young because they set the standards and they set you know good or bad habits. And Roy was a James Beard chef, and he kicked my butt, and but I just I learned so much from him. And not only that, he had so many great friends. So when I wanted to do a stage, he'd be like, "Hey, call this guy. Hey, call this guy." And you know, I got to work for all those guys: Wolfgang, Michael Mina, uh, Alan Wong, Nobu, etc. So, all right. So then, you you worked for Roy. You worked all over the world. 
How'd you make your way to Denver? So um, I was living in Singapore and I met this guy named Richard Sandoval, who I heard just opened kind of like a restaurant in the Four Seasons. That's right. He has Bayou and Bottle in the Four Seasons that opened a couple of years ago. So um, we met in Singapore. I was working there and uh, we kind of hit it off and he had a restaurant in Denver and wanted to do kind of a like a Latin Asian fusion. Well, that's a mouthful. But um, uh, 20 years ago, that was a really cool, great concept. And um, so I moved to Denver, you know, not knowing where or what Denver had been because I'd never been there. I'm like, where's Denver? It's in the middle of the U.S. Is it cold? It's it, freaking cold. It's really cold. It's yeah. the coldest place you've ever lived. I it, mean, it is. And that it was, standard. It was, the, it was the first time. So 20 years ago, you know, uh, 30 years old, I had ever lived landlocked. I'd always lived by an ocean. So, <clears throat> but I said, you know what? I'm going to go try it. It sounded fun and cool and interesting. And, you know, at the time I thought Richard was doing some good stuff with modern Mexican food. And uh, we opened Zango, which was a great hit and really put, you know, uh, it was the number one restaurant in Denver for a while. And also I had worked at Tao in New York. So a big Asian bistro. Um, and then just kind of fell in love with Denver because of the mountains, the people, and believe it or not, it does get cold, but it's sunny there. And I love the sun. So that's, that's what kept me there. So when did you go off on your own and start opening your own restaurant? So actually we just um, celebrated our 10 year anniversary last month. So we opened tag in May 09, right after the crash. And luckily my investors, still gave me the money and b believed in me and backed me because it was a really tough time. I mean, the first few months, um, uh, I don't, I always tell the story and sometimes I, I always wonder, should I tell it or not? But I, I'd like to let people know that it's a tough, tough business. And the first few months we almost closed. I mean, it was really hard. Um, you know, you're trying to get people to come to your restaurant and my investor sat me down and said, Hey bro, if you don't change what you're doing, you're going to close here in the next two weeks. So really I, I focused in and how I did that was, you know, I checked the wine orders because my guy was just ordering all this killer wine or I checked the scheduling and, um, you know, they just had too many step people on staff. <clears throat> then I checked really the food orders because I let my, you know, exec suit do all the ordering and just really looked at all the accounting and all the numbers. I just thought, Hey, being a great chef, I got to make really kick-ass food. And there's just so much that went into it. So after two weeks, they sat me down and said, hey, great job. You know, we're finally making some money. So from there, it's it's been really, really amazing and fun. And in 10 years, we've opened 12 restaurants and eight concepts. All right. So so what is Tag? Like what is like what kind of restaurant is it? So Tag is a chef driven concept, you know, mostly local um, food as much as we can. We call it continental social food. So again, 10 years ago, that sounded cool. Now it sounds like a mouthful, but it's like different continents that I've worked and uh, uh, had some influence in and social, meaning we all get together to be social, to share a drink, to share some food. And um, <clears throat> it's been doing great. Again, 10 years being open. We just had a 10-year celebration. We invited past um, employees from servers to managers to chefs to cooks and we celebrated over two days it was it was a blast two sold out nights so tag is my initials it's also I had a bulldog English bulldog I'm a fan of and uh, his name was tag so he's like the mascot we've got him on shirts and menus and and uh, websites and uh, we want it not to take ourselves too seriously so 
Um, it's right on Larimer Square, downtown Denver. So probably like early 1800 buildings. They're beautiful. And uh, if you get to Denver, it's a must, uh, must neighborhood to go to. All right. So when did you open the Garden Grace that currently exists in Denver? And, so, and like, and kind of like what made you want to open a steakhouse? Cause great question again. I mean, uh, Brookfield, uh, properties, which is the building we're going in here in one Allen center. They came to me about seven, seven and a half years ago. So two, two and a half years before we opened garden grace, which is five years old now. Um, they love tag. They love the chef, um, driven concept. They were looking for a, um, a local chef to do the restaurant. <clears throat> they bought this building. They renovated it just like they're doing now at one Allen center. And they said, hey, we really like you. You want to open a restaurant there? And to be honest, I wasn't looking to open another one. I had two restaurants at the time, a burger restaurant and Tag. And I was, I had enough on my plate. But uh, in the back of my mind, I always wanted to do a steakhouse. And then everyone thought, oh, you're crazy. You know, Denver, there's already so many steakhouses. But I said, hey, I'll do it a little different, meaning I just – coined the word modern steakhouse. I mean, it's, it's, you know, everyone does it, but we put our twist on it. And what was different about Garden Grace is it's not real dark. It's kind of more light and airy and modern furniture, uh, modern space, open kitchen, and we use a wood fire grill. So, you know, we might use pecan, cherry, mesquite, oak, depends uh, what we're in the mood for or what they're selling. And, um, we had a big raw bar. We make all our pastas from scratch. Um, it was just a fun thing to do, and it's in the business financial district, and Garden Grace obviously is my last name and my daughter's name. I want it to be kind of masculine like a steakhouse, but yet kind of soft and feminine so the females um, would enjoy it as well. So we started doing four-ounce cuts all the way to you know 30-ounce cuts. So there was something really for everybody. Um, one of our best sellers is a steak flight. So you can get uh, four ounces of grass, four ounces of Angus, and four ounces of prime. And it's a good way to kind of taste the different textures and cattles and the way it's raised. And um, that's that's really, really fun. Um, and then we did a ton of seafood on the menu because I'm from Hawaii. I love seafood. So we do, you know, the raw bar. We do crab, lobster, sushi, sashimi, crudos, um, Octopus is one of the best sellers, uh, oak grilled. I mean, I know everyone does octopus these days, but it's delish. And um, so after five years and five years, knock on wood, we've been voted best steakhouse in Denver five years in a row. Brookfield came to us and said, hey, we've got this spot in Houston. <clears throat> and for whatever reason, they looked around for some local chefs. Um, I'm not sure why no one jumped on it, but... Um, I think it's going to be a cool spot. I talked to a, a few different guys and they're like, ah, I don't know about downtown Houston because it, it seems kind of quiet. Everyone goes to work and then leaves. But I believe in Brookfield. I believe in the financial district and, um, we're going on the ground level. Our space is pretty big. It's 15,000 square feet with 3000 patios. So I figured, Hey, everything's bigger in Texas and uh, we're up, <laughs> we're up for, at least that's the motto I keep hearing. And we're up for the challenge. And really, 
again, you've got to have a good landlord. I, I think it's it's almost more imperative than having a great wife because with with a wife, you can get divorced anytime. With the landlord, man, it is so hard to get out of a lease. So <laughs> we really have great partners there. And believe me, I've been divorced, so I know. Um <clears throat> and you and you're currently married, so exactly. you know, your wife. I got your wife is going to hear this, and, and she's going to have an opinion. About <laughs> she's going to laugh. So, yeah. So, um, you know, just really excited. I never thought I would kind of leave Colorado. It had to be for the right um, space, the right concept, the right partnership, the right city. And when they talked to us, you know, I had been to Houston only once a long, long time ago, uh, really long when I was like 25. One of my buddies at Roy's in Maui, we worked together, and he was from Houston, and he used to work at Cafe Annie, and he brought me over here, and I just loved Cafe Annie. It was so freaking good. Yeah, it's changed. Yeah, Houston's changed a lot in 23 <clears throat> a years. A lot, right? Yeah. And so I feel, I don't know, I just, to be honest, too, my, my wife will listen to this, and she'll um, concur. She said, I would love to move here. She she loves the people. She loves the city. Um uh, we can't, unfortunately, because um, I got divorced and I've got a child with uh, my ex. But uh, we're going to get a house down here and we're going to make this kind of our second home. We really, really love it down here. We did a lot of homework, too. We checked out the scene. We checked out the different areas. And um, we're really excited to be opening here. Yeah, I, I, I'm i always sort of curious about when chefs move here or, or you know, make plans to open a business here and they, they haven't lived here. You know, what have you, like, what have you learned? Because you've been coming here a lot. I mean, this is, this is what, like You've the third or fourth times, time. Yeah. This is, I want to say this is like the fourth time I've seen you in like the last six to eight months. So you, you, you're coming here quite a bit to kind of get ready for this. What have you learned about Houston that you didn't know maybe when you signed the lease or, or when you kind of were contemplating this in the beginning? Yeah, you know, I first called Roy. I said, hey, you've opened out of state, and what would you do? Um, what do you do when you go into new cities? I asked uh, Cameron Mitchell um, as well. I asked Sam Fox. I just called up these guys. Sam does a thing or two about Houston. He's he's done very right? well Right, he's done really well. And, um, you know, everyone said, and, and the Snooze guys. So Snooze are from Denver, and I That's talked right. to those guys. They said, hey, just get in with the community and also, you know, to bring your culture over here, bring your people. And again, I've worked for Richard, who's open, you know, 40, 50 restaurants Roy has and worked for Tao and some other guys. So that's really what we did. We hired our PR company a year ago. We wanted to get in. We wanted to work with the community. We wanted to work with the charities just like we do in Denver. So it's, it's nothing fake or nothing BS. We want to have an impact here. We want to be neighbors. We want to be part of this community. And so far, everyone's been super friendly, very, very uh, open. We've done some guest chef events. You've been to some of them. And uh, like I said, I'm flying back today and then flying back on Thursday, working with uh, Chef Hugo. And we've done Eunice. We've done Uchi. We did a tomato dinner last night at Hope Farms. <clears throat> and... Um, uh, we've got some more coming up, so uh, we're super excited. And like I said, we come down. I've, I come down here about once every week and a half, two weeks, just to check on the construction, talk with the people at Brookfield, talk with you guys, and try to put myself out there as much as possible. I just don't want to have people, and I've seen it done before, people come to Denver, and it's like, 
they don't really embrace our city. And, you know, I, I don't mind people coming in because that's the way of life. I like to travel and do new things, but I just don't want to be that dick that comes in and, uh, you know. Well, yeah, no, there's a, there's a chef who very famously Sorry, opened a couple of, no, you're fine. Okay. I don't, I don't even know if that has to get bleeped on the radio. <laughs> All right. Uh, but, uh, no, there's a chef who very famously came into town and was like, oh, yeah, they're starved for good restaurants down there. You know, I'm going to show them what's up. And, of course, he, you know, it all it all ended in tears. He failed. Right? It failed miserably. Yeah. So just like Denver, Houston has just a ton of steakhouses, uh, mostly centered around downtown in the Galleria. Have you have you tried them? I mean, like, what do you what do you kind of assess the the steakhouses here in Houston? Well, that's a better question for you guys to answer, right, Mike and uh, Eric? I mean, you guys know all the best places, but I have dined and eaten my way at least as much as I can when I'm here. seems like I gain five pounds every time I come here. But, you know, I went to Killian's. I've been to Papa's, been to um, Georgia James, um, pretty much all the steakhouse. I mean, Morton's are all the same. I'm not really, you know... They do fine, but they're kind of old news. But I like all the newer stuff, you know. I think um, people have this certain expectation or thought when you say steakhouses, you know, it's going to be a great cut of meat. You're going to have great service. It's probably in a killer, cool ambiance. And a lot of people have expense accounts. So we're going downtown where the people have those expense accounts, just like Denver, um, and there's a lot of cross-utilization, meaning a lot of oil and gas in Denver and obviously Houston and pharmaceuticals and people traveling back and forth. I met like two guys on the plane yesterday and I collect all their cards. And um, But I just think in that area, we're really looking to take care of that downtown area. And um, there's... There's 3 million square feet of office space at Brookfield, and we're the only restaurant, high-end restaurant there. So those guys have to be wanting to go somewhere for dinner or lunch or a meeting, and we're going to have a huge private room. I think they um, can only go to Don Shula's Steakhouse so many times, right? So Yeah, I, I mean, I will say I have never been to the Shula's in Houston, but I don't imagine that that, that specific restaurant is very intimidating. It's not. I walk through it. I think it's, you know, your your typical hotel restaurant, chain restaurant. Obviously, it's been around for a long time. Um, you know, there's some, obviously, some killer steakhouses out there. And I think there's, there's room for everyone. Um, again, we're going to do what we do well, and um, they do what they do well. And um, we just want to bring a lot of it to downtown. I think downtown is really ready to to burst for you guys we just had it happen in denver and it just exploded and i'm excited that i was there for that in denver i'm excited to be down here for uh houston i've been on the tourism boards and city council boards and man there's a lot of growth going on right now yeah it does feel you know starting with kind of the super bowl in 2017 it does feel like downtown has kind of taken a step up obviously hugo's done very well with sochi there's a lot of stuff around the convention center, and then we haven't, we haven't talked about it on the show because the news broke while I was on hiatus, but, uh, you know, Chris Cosentino's opening up, like, right around the corner from you, basically. Oh, right, what street the is going to be on? Oh, Doubletree? Yeah, he's uh, the Doubletree, which is being rebranded as... Uh, oh, so that's right behind me. Yeah, 
So he's, cool. yeah, he's I know they were an Italian looking. place. Yeah. Oh, great. So, yeah, I know they were looking. T- um, I thought they were bringing that guy from Dallas. I guess that fell through. I think the knife thing, yeah, I think the John Tizar thing has fallen through. Or, I, I mean, right. with Tizar, you never know. I mean, he could... <laughs> he could he could hear this and be like, "Screw them! I'm I'm coming!" Right. Like, so yeah, far. I thought he was going to do something, but I think maybe it conflicted because you know we were both American steak or something. But yeah. I love the Italian thing. Yeah, Brookfield bought that hotel and they're renovating it right now, and it's going to be awesome. And I think you know, uh, I never even knew it when I first came down here. This is how stupid I am. I was like, "Where are all the people? You guys have like a whole other city underground." Seven oh, miles, so I yeah. got lost one day. Just I'm like, I'm gonna go get lost under here, and I think at least from what I heard from the city is they want to try to bring a few more things on ground level, and uh, so you know Chris doing his thing, us doing our thing, and uh, the space is is spectacular. I'd love to get you in the space next time I'm through here, maybe this week or yeah, in a couple weeks. It. Yeah. Oh, it's coming up good. The frames are in, the uh, hoods are hoods aren't in, but the HVAC plumbing's in and you get to really see the big space as it is it's going to be two levels so pretty awesome so october-ish is that kind of the plan i'm trying we're probably going to get it handed over mid to late october and then two weeks to train so i'm trying to look at first week of november um we were supposed to open in august but you know how the city is here. There's just a lot going no, they on. Never, they never <laughs> open on time. I mean, I, I tried to grease them. They don't take greasing, so. <laughs> no, if that worked, I think restaurants would open much more quickly. If, if, if just I said, straight don't bribery. Don't tax money? Let's go. Yeah. I, it, is, it is one of the most bizarre aspects of this, this whole process to me is that the city like, doesn't, doesn't seem that interested in the tax revenue that would come from getting these businesses open more quickly, and they seem mostly indifferent to the plight of restaurateurs who like need to get open, like to start making revenue to, to justify the cost of the build out. So yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, I wish there was some type of nobody opens when they think they should. I was just talking to, uh, Ben last night, who's doing a BOH pasta and pizza. Right. And he said they just got delayed from, uh, the city as well another couple weeks so right that was supposed to open right he's at bravery <laughs> chef hall right that was supposed to open like nine months ago you know wow, that like long it's ago. and it's just a series of little things that keeps pushing that thing back so yeah my the, the last thing i heard and, and now you're more current than i am was that it looks like july 4th ish right that that yep, was kind of exactly that, that's you know that's, and he was he was like oh shoot because He's going out to Telluride for a festival, a food festival, and like those two weeks, like I can't open when I'm gone. So they're trying everything they can to, um, you know, try to get it open before he takes off. So giving him a plug, and then we got cooked with Dylan last night from Local Foods. He was a great guy too. Yeah, Dylan's awesome. He's I've great. Had him on the show before. He's he's. We had some like kind of kind of an old stories. school. Yeah. yeah, he's kind of like an old school chef curmudgeon. Yeah, he lived in San Fran and. He worked for Michael Mina, and uh, you know I worked for Roy, two really heavy hitters, and uh, you know big personalities, you know big screamers. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was fun. He was a great guy. All right, so you're doing you're doing Garden Grace, but you have you said you have twelve restaurants in Denver. Do you see Houston as a market where you could do other concepts? You know what. I'd love to just get this one open first, get my arms wrapped around it. I mean, it's a big, big restaurant. I would love to 
<clears throat> call this our second home and open some of our other concepts. Obviously, Snooze has done well, and we have a breakfast concept called Hashtag. I think it, it could do really well. We have a taqueria called Los Chingones I think would be fun down here. We have a quick casual concept called Boo Boo. Um, we're about to open our third one next year, and I think um, if we do that right, we'll probably start off in the food court of Brookfield and then do a few of those. So I would love to do that. Um, you know, I I haven't really looked at any other cities. Houston just seems like a great city. Again, like I said, you know, our landlord's awesome. Um, people have been really good. I've been eating out, <laughs> you know, every single time I come here, and it just it gets better and better, honestly. Really love it down here. So if you'll have me, I'll open some more. Yeah, I mean, we're there seems to be, <clears throat> you know, no limit to the number of new restaurants we can shove into this city. So right. Bring it on. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I because mostly, selfishly, it just it gives me something to do. Right. Cause totally. If new, if new restaurants don't open, I run out of things to write about. And then, you know, sitting around the computer all day <laughs> and they're looking at me like, you know, this isn't like this isn't like charity. Like you actually have to. You have to produce content every day. It's like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah you, new restaurants are good. They keep us busy. Awesome. Yeah, no, uh, we will start looking at that once we get down here. And we're excited. We've got our team training in, uh, you know, Denver right now. I brought one guy down yesterday. I'm going to bring a couple more down on Thursday to do the event. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait for you to check it out. All right. Well, Troy, I, I've come to the end of my questions, but I always like to wrap this up with something I call the lightning round. Okay. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Let's do it. All right, Troy Gard, what is your favorite cookbook? Roy Yamaguchi's. What's the first band you ever saw in concert? Motley Crue. What is the what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to uh, come from a restaurant with a drive through. <laughs> Dang it, Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, I usually ask people who their favorite Houston sports figure is, but since you're you're not from here. Who's your favorite Denver sports figure, past or present? I like Von Miller. That's a solid. He's an Aggie, right? That's a solid answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, what is your go-to pizza order? The first time you go to a pizzeria, like, what do you, what do you get to judge it? Um, well, it depends, right? If it's a Napolitana or just basic, but I just love the mozzarella if it's made by hand or imported from Italy. Some basil, some tomato, and that's it. Nice. Uh, give us the website. What's your pizza? Uh, pepperoni and mushroom. Nice. Yeah. All right. Give us the, uh, the website and the Instagram and all that for, for garden grace. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, go to guard and grace.com G U A R D and A N D grace G R A C E.com. Check us out there. Our Instagram is chef Troy guard and we'll be posting stuff all the time. We're going to be trying to do maybe even a hard hat party. So we're going to be doing a contest to get people of, you know, um, giving us pictures, giving us uh, their contacts, and we're going to get you in the space ahead of time to try the food and check out the space. So um, check us out. Come to Denver if you're going skiing or maybe you might want to do a little Red Rocks music festival or maybe even uh, have some of that uh, marijuana that they sell over there, right? Yeah, I I mean... <laughs> it's big. It's I, big time. You know, I thought about busting your chops about, like, you're actually going to have to make the food here taste good because people <laughs> people won't be too stoned to notice the difference, right? Oh like gosh. in Denver, it's different. They you know don't what? care as much. Exactly. In Houston, we're, we're more finicky because we don't have legal weed. I thought it might be detrimental, but, you know, 
you talk to anyone, already 50-plus percent of the staff in the restaurants do that stuff. But it's been great. Um, it's good for tourism. And everyone's fine. Every once in a while, you get some guys who don't know the altitude, don't know what they're taking, took too much, and they'll just be ripped. And uh, <laughs> But it's pretty funny. You also have a – there's a local Instagram, Garden Grace Houston. Yep. So people could, people should follow that, right? That's probably the best way to stay Definitely, up yeah. Progress. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at eSandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week with episode 100 of What's Eric Eating.